Well, hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Between Movements podcast. I'm your host, Josh Feigren. Today, I'm going to continue talking a little bit about improvisation. In the last episode, I spoke about why classical musicians don't usually improvise. And today, I want to talk a little bit about why we should improvise. So the first reason is that it is historically valid to improvise. I covered this a little bit in uh, the last podcast I did regarding improvisation, talking about the fact that since we're working with a historical art form in which these great composers improvised, then it makes sense for us to learn the art of improvisation. But I'm going to go a little bit further and talk about the fact that not only did the composers improvise, not only did they teach improvisation to their students, but there are also many accounts where the public talks about how improvisation was often the favorite part of the performance. Uh, we see this in with Mozart, we see it with Bach, we see it with Beethoven and Chopin, uh, several clear historical examples. There's this famous story about Johann Sebastian Bach going to King Frederick's court. And King Frederick was an avid musician, wanted to test Johann Sebastian Bach's musicality, so he gave him this very difficult theme, one that would be very difficult to improvise on, one that would be very difficult for counterpoint. And not only does Bach improvise on it, he also does so with these galant flourishes, which is the style that King Frederick was interested in at the time. Now, King Frederick asked Bach to do something that was virtually impossible. He asked Bach to improvise a six-voice fugue. Now, six-voice fugues up to this point were virtually unheard of. So Bach uh, was not able to improvise it on the spot, but he did go home and write an entire piece of music in six-voice form, sent it off to King Frederick. But the combination of his counterpoint and his improvisation was him sort of displaying his ability as a musician. There's also the story of Beethoven, most famously with his piano duel with Daniel Steibelt. Uh, but this was not the only duel. It was common for pianists to kind of have these battles of improvisation where they would have a theme and then they would go back and forth. One would sit at the piano, the other would sit at the piano, and they would sort of duke it out as to who was a better improviser. And uh, after Beethoven mocked the way that his opponent Daniel Steibelt played this piece. He, Beethoven played so well and Steibelt was so embarrassed that he actually left uh, and never came back to Vienna while Beethoven was still working there. So in those historical examples, these composers are sort of proving their, uh, their skill level, their craft, either to a wealthy patron or as a part of a competitive thing. There are also composers like Franz Liszt, who during his piano recitals would request a theme from the audience members, sometimes as an encore, and would improvise on the spot. So it provided a way to get audience participation and interaction within the concert. These days, there is little or no audience participation in classical music concerts, for the most part, unless you consider applause at the very end audience participation. I usually like to speak to my audience, at least say something about the piece. I find that it helps. It helps communicate better. It helps 
people engage more, but also that way of improvisation was a different method that composers would use. So the second reason that classical musicians, I believe, should learn to improvise is simply because it opens up job opportunities. And with those job opportunities comes the ability to make money as a musician. Throughout my career, the longest lasting and the highest paying jobs I have held have in some way been linked to improvisation. So those are usually with churches. Um, I played for churches that had a mix of traditional and contemporary worship. And as part of contemporary worship, um, more often than not, you are required to sort of improvise around different chord changes. Too often, I think music majors go into the degree without any thought as to how they're going to make it in the world as a musician, or they just assume they're going to work really hard, and they will be one of the very, very few select musicians who make it to a professional orchestra or have a professional solo career. And when it comes to being a concert pianist full-time and making a living as one, it is harder than it's ever been before, not just because of the internet and streaming and social media, but because there are more and more pianists who want to do the same thing. So your chances of actually making it or winning some major competition, and even if you do win a major competition, many people still don't have a continuing career after that. So having the ability to improvise can open up huge opportunities for work as a musician, whether it be at churches or whether it be playing in a different setting, like in a jazz or a rock cover band or something that I feel is neglected among a lot of classical majors. And sometimes worse than neglected, it's I feel like it's looked down upon. And maybe it's not as true today as it was, say, a decade or several decades ago, but I still feel like there's a view among a lot of classical musicians that what we do is serious music, or if you were to play, say, a rock song, you might get looked at as though that's beneath you, or you shouldn't be doing that because that's not serious work for a classical musician. And the third reason, in my opinion, why classical musicians should learn to improvise is that science shows there are tons of cognitive and psychological benefits, both for the performer and for the audience. And this is something that I found out doing my research for my dissertation. I talk about two scientific studies in particular, one in 2012 and a follow-up study done in 2017 with a team of scientists. They worked with the Royal College of Music and... Uh, did EEG scans on the brains of performing musicians and the audience. And what these studies essentially confirmed was that when musicians would improvise versus playing memorized music, it clearly showed activation in different parts of the brain. So parts of the brain associated with risk-taking, with uh, more emotional states, or with creativity lit up much more than during the memorized music and not only did those parts of the brain light up more for the musicians but they also lit up more for the audience members and i found this very interesting there have been follow-up studies not just the one in 2017 but there have been more to confirm that this is the case that could partially explain why historically there are so many writings where people express that the improvised sections of a performance were personal favorites. 
Um, I've experienced that in my own in my own life, doing improvisations and people in the audience relating to that more than a much more complex uh, memorized piece. Not always that that's the case, but it has been the case sometimes, um, maybe for these reasons that it's lighting up different parts of the brain. So it's addressing a different part of musicality. It's addressing a different part of the musical experience for everybody involved. The 2017 study, which I will link both of these studies below, measured something called Lempel-Ziv levels, which I had not heard of before. But according to the study, and having higher levels of Lempel-Ziv can lead to states of mind that create more memorable experiences and deeper emotional connection. Again, these Lempel-Ziv levels were higher in both musicians and audience during moments of improvisation. So knowing this information that it can create a more meaningful connection between audience and performer, knowing that it lights up different portions of the brain associated with risk-taking and creativity, and even certain emotional centers that aren't activated during memorization, I don't see why anyone would want to neglect improvisation based on these reasons. I do want to talk more about how it can be implemented in another episode, but these three reasons I think are more than enough for at least getting classical musicians more interested in the topic, maybe getting the conversation more started about why we don't do this, why it's been neglected, how we can do it, why why we should improvise. So just to recap, there's the historical validity, there is the job opportunities, and there are the psychological and cognitive benefits. And all of these relate to a greater experience of both the musician and the audience. I think it could do great things for individual musicians and you know, for the classical world as a whole. And from what I understand, the issue of improvisation is gaining more notoriety. I hope it continues to be that way, especially in university systems and in these classical institutions that put on a lot of concerts, uh, symphony orchestras, etc. And I think knowing these things can help us have a greater cultural and musical relevance. So that's it, you guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Let me know if you have any questions. As always, you can comment, like, and subscribe. And I will look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Between Movements.